This is Horsepower Happenings. Every once in a while, you get to the racetrack, and that pesky little bug crawls up and bites you, and you go, man, I ought to dust off my driver's seat. No, I'll I'll never go back. uh, I'll never go back to full-time racing. I'm too old. I mean, there's there's some guys older than me still doing it. God bless them. Distinguished news, industry insight, and exclusive interviews. We wrapped it up at the end of last year. I will tell you this. We are going to run. You're the first person that's actually been told this officially. With Zach Heiser. Here comes Jared Horstman to the inside. He's got Max Stambaugh picked off. He's around Chase Ryan now. Jared Horstman up to third down the back straightaway. And Rich France. The number 11 Hilliker machine does have a flat right front tire, uh, some body damage. He may be able to come down into the hot pit and uh, replace his tire and get back out. Michigan Short Track Racing Authority. This is Travis Stemler. Going what's the driver of the Hills Racing 47 Night. This is Barry Marlowe. This is 14-time ARCA champion Ron Allen. This is three-time dirt car UMP national champion Rusty Schlink. And this is Horsepower Happenings. Good evening, race fans. Welcome into Horsepower Happenings on a warm Monday in October. Whole lot of racing over the weekend, and even some racing around our area, and a lot of racing coming up this weekend as well. Uh, we got a lot to talk about. Two great interviews lined up tonight, but first, let's get into what's happening in a Motor City Minute. Hey, guess what? Kyle Larson won again. Uh, this time, though, he wasn't really expected to win. He had mechanical problems early during the Roval race at Charlotte, the elimination race. Uh, for the NASCAR Cup Series. He came back to win. Of course, everybody talking about Kevin Harvick and Chase Elliott. Uh, I think that's going to end real soon, one way or another. Rick Hendricks getting involved. He wants NASCAR to step in. We'll keep an eye on it. Frank Hackenash Jr. started fourth and went on to win the Falls Frenzy at Fairbury Speedway Saturday night. Uh, He did a nice job. He held off. Some of the biggest names in uh, dirt late model racing included, uh, including, but not limited to, uh, drivers like Brandon Shepard, who finished second. Gordy Gundaker, Ryan Unzinger, and Tanner English rounded out the top five. Casey Johnson added his name to the Oktoberfest record books. As he won the 52nd annual Oktoberfest race weekend at Lacrosse Fairground Speedway Sunday afternoon uh, with the race. Ty Majeski became the Arkham Midwest Tour champion for the fifth time in his career. And I got a chance to witness history on Saturday night as Brittany Zamora uh, becomes a winner at Nashville Fairground Speedway. She won Saturday in the 100-lap Pro Late Model feature. She's the first female to ever win a feature in the Premier Division on Nashville's 5-8 Mile Oval. And uh, she did a nice job during that event as well. Now, when I talk to her after the race, she does not currently have a ride for the All-American 400 weekend. So uh, she'll see if she can get one of those and get ready to try to get back behind the wheel we'll see what happens those things and so much more happening tonight on horsepower happenings good evening welcome in i'm zach heiser rich france joins me from across the way how are you sir how are you sounds like you know it doesn't happen very often zach but when we go out to this was one of the few times during a season where neither one of us was in the state of michigan yeah it's uh, and there was some great racing in the state of michigan too and in and around michigan but uh we'll talk about that and we'll talk to one of the winners coming up later on uh but rich you were on the road to the greater indianapolis area and you got to witness a really big event with our friends from cra yeah zach the rescheduled all guy performance parts fall brawl for the champion racing association was in full swing on saturday at lucas oil raceway in brownsburg indiana On tap was a 100-lap feature event for the JEG CRA All-Stars Tour and a pair of 40-lap events for the Vores Welding CRA Late Model Sportsman and the Van Hoy Oil CRA Street Stocks. Uh, 
feature racing kicked off with the late model sportsman taking center stage at the beginning of the night. And uh, this was no contest as Aaron Pierce, Zach, I said, yes, Aaron Pierce, uh, sprint car fame and uh, over 100 starts in the USAC Silver Crown Series would pick up the race lead on lap three and never look back. But the only issue for Pierce was yet to come. And that was in technical inspection where his number nine machine would roll in two tenths of a percent heavy on the left side. Uh, that was going to nullify that dominating performance for Pierce. Jake Hinton would be declared the, the winner with Caston Everidge bringing home a runner-up finish. And then it was uh, on to 100 laps for the Jake Sierra All-Stars Tour. Two-time crown jewel winner in 2021, Kyle Crump, would lead the field to green. And from the drop of the Green Flags Act, it was all Kyle Crump. Uh, there was enough. There, there was great racing throughout the entire field for the entire 100 laps, but Crump was never seriously challenged. Uh, the only thing that was different this time for Crump was that this win came with his Crosstown Motorsports number 50 team and getting them their first ever CRA win. Kyle Jones and Brian Campbell would complete the podium. And Zach, in the final event of the night, Terry Fisher Jr. would pick up the race lead on lap 17 over Brett Hudson and drive away to victory in the 40-lap feature event for the CRA Street Stocks. Uh, had a great time down there with CRA, announced it on Flow Racing. Uh, just had a great time. Yeah, and how about Kyle Crump, too? They debuted that pro late model car with uh, that uh, Crosstown Motorsports team earlier this year at Birch Run, finished in the top five. So uh, a win for them was not that far in the future. Now, did, did you get a chance to talk to him? Is he going to bring that pro car to maybe Winchester or Nashville? Yeah, so I interviewed him down in Victory Lane, and so they are bringing the pro car and the super to, to – well, they are – I know they're bringing them both to Winchester. Okay. And so uh, I get. I think because there's two weeks in between, we'll have to see what happens in Winchester because I'm gonna that guess can change everything. They're going to probably focus on the championship for the Super Series at Winchester is my guess. That's what I think, and I think well, they'll have to see um, what happens next weekend at Winchester with that 50 machine uh, in the Jags race, and maybe they'll go. We'll have to see what uh, what they got, what kind of shape that car's in. All right, very good. Hey, up here, uh, the Roll the Dice 2 at I-96 Speedway took place Saturday night. Friday night got rained out, so that festivities, uh, those festivities were canned. But Saturday, big show featuring late models, sprint cars, street stocks. They had sportsmen there as well. It was a really big show. Travis Stemler started on the outside of row number two Saturday night. And he ended up in victory lane. Joey Birch and James Gallagher led the field to the green flag with Birch jumping out to the early lead. Stemler had possession of the second spot by the back straightaway on lap one, but couldn't quite run down Birch. An early caution was all Stemler needed to show the field around the track. He took the top spot, survived a late race caution, holding off Brian Roman for the win. Birch came home third, Michael Archer fourth, and James Gallagher held on for a top five finish. And that wraps up. I believe that wraps up Dirt Late Model Racing in the state of Michigan for 2021. Yeah, Zach, and then uh, I wasn't done yet. I went to a different state, went to Ohio. Uh, and, and Zach, look, think about this for a minute. Cody Swanson possesses the rare and unique talent to, to make the extraordinary just seem commonplace. And for the majority of Sunday afternoon's USAC Silver Crown uh, season finale at Toledo Speedway, uh, he performed just as you'd expect from the series winning as driver. For the first 83 and a half laps around the half mile paved oval, they were relatively stress free for Swanson, but some unexpected contact on lap 84 nearly derailed both his bid for the race win 
and another silver crown driving title. With Swanson alone at the head of the field, uh, the car of the 13th running Annie Breitinger uh, slid sideways in turn number three, right into the path of Tyler Roark, who T-boned Breitinger's machine. Uh, next in line was Swanson, who smashed the left front of his nose and wheel into the rear bumper of Roarig. Swanson was able to continue without heading down pit road, um, even the nose damage and a bent front axle couldn't keep Swanson from victory lane, despite having to hold off a challenge from Bobby Santos during the final laps to record his fifth career Hemelgarn Super Fitness Raleigh Beal Classic Triumph and his unprecedented sixth career USAC Silver Crown Championship. Parma, Michigan native Brian Tyler in his first USAC Silver Crown start since 2013 would complete the podium. Uh, Toledo Speedway also held its championship events for the late model sportsman and the Factory Stock Divisions Act with Jeff Metapedigan capturing the Factory Stock Crown and uh, 2020 inductee in the Michigan Motorsports Hall of Fame, Ron Allen, picking up his 10th late model sportsman crown and 15th overall championship of his stellar career. Did I see that Ron had a uh, special tribute on the hood of that car as well this weekend? Did, what do you know about that? Yeah, of course, Ron's, Ron's brother Gary passed away shortly before the season, and, and Ron has run the 69 for the past several years, and, and it, it's really been an honor all season long. Ron has run the number 29 all season long, which was, which was his brother Gary's number, and uh, I interviewed him in, in victory lane after the race uh, to the house, and uh, he got a little bit emotional. Uh, th this was a big deal for him. Um, this, this year was all about his brother, and, and, and it really got to him. The championship really did mean a lot to him. Good stuff there, and uh, there's some pictures on uh, the Facebook page. We'll see if we can pull those up and take a look at them because, uh, it, yeah, it was, uh, it was a really cool weekend for him, and, and I know he was excited to get that done. And, Zach, uh, now on the phone lines we have the winner of the Raleigh Beal Classic 100 at Toledo Speedway yesterday, uh, Cody Swanson. Welcome to Horsepower Happenings. Hey, thank you. Thanks for having me on the show. Man, let's start at, let's start at the beginning yesterday. You, you go into the event with a one-point lead over Logan Seavey. You go into qualifying, and you put that thing right up on the point. Um, is that what you had to do at first? Oh, I mean, um, you know, I started out the season not, not running for points. So, um, you know, I was, I was only going to run the pavement races for, for the Doran Racing Team. So, um, you know, as, as the year went on and, and it became um, – you know, an opportunity to, to try to compete for it. You know, I picked up dirt rides here and there. Um, you know, maybe, maybe things shift a little bit, but by the time yesterday rolled around and with, with it only being a, a one point, um, you know, uh, title fight, you know, the, the focus shifted back just on, on trying to, trying to win the race, right? You gotta, there's no, um, there's no lead you're trying to hang on to, uh, by that point, right? You're just, um, you gotta go out and compete for it and, um, you know, try to try to win the race and it would take care of everything else. And you've always had pretty good luck in these silver crown cars, but of course your luck, um, great crowd yesterday at Toledo Speedway and a great field of cars and some very fast race cars. Um, that probably prior to the feature, would, normally you would think on paper would make things a little bit difficult for you. Yeah, I know. And, it, and it, it certainly is right. I mean, I've, I've been fortunate to have had a great career in silver crown racing, but, um, there's a lot of good cars and, and a lot of great drivers and, and people that, um, that can, that can win. So, um, you've really got to be on your game and I've you know, been fortunate 
uh, to, you know, to run with the Doran racing team this year and, and every, you know, Kevin Doran and everybody that's a part of that really, um, put, um, put maximum effort in to, to prepare the car as best we possibly could and to be as, you know, as ready as we could be, um, come race day, you know, it's, uh, uh, some of these events are, are quick turnarounds for us, you know, a short 45 minute practice maybe. Um, and then you, you qualify and run your 100 lap feature. So it, um, it seems like it'd be a long time, but, but the way it's structured and, and our cars going in groups, you only get to hit the track a few times. Um, and, and you better be good. So, um, yeah, I mean, I was really fortunate yesterday to, to have a great car and a great team behind me and, um, and overcame a, a little, you know, a little, um, <laughs> you know, I guess a few moments, right. Um, that, that we come in after qualifying in the right front tire, um, for whatever reason was, was losing air, uh, determined we thought it was, uh, seeping out of the wheel instead of the tire, um, with the way our series runs, you got to run the same right sides in the features to qualify on. So in the, uh, in the final few minutes before we pushed up to, to the grid, um, swap that tire out and put it on a different wheel and, and, you know, popped it on and hope it was going to hold air and gave it a double check as I was buckling in and, and all was good. So wait, wait a minute, um, wait a minute. You know, I need to verify <laughs> you unbeated a, a tire that you had qualified on from a wheel and resealed it to a new rim. Yeah. Is that right? Same tire that you qualified on. Yeah. So had to, <laughs> my had goodness, to, we, they, they were looking for, you know, we had, we had emptied the cooler out and, um, we were, you know, had, had the tire in, you know, and trying to get water on it, trying to find, um, find where it was leaking. And at that point, you know, I didn't have any empty wheels. So we dismounted one of our spare tires and had an empty wheel ready. So if they could find the leak or not, um, you know, we'd, we'd be ready for them. And, and, um, you know, it was me and a couple other guys on the crew. And as I started, you know, getting into in the final preparations, um, they, you know, pulled, pulled that tire off the, the, the qualifying wheel, kept the, same tire and like I said put it on a new wheel and gave it a shot so <laughs> wow uh now geez oh Pete, you would think that would be the exciting moment of the day but uh as rich said in the story leading up to your interview the exciting moment of the day came for you during the race uh you're busy there trying to uh lead the race and fend off charges from other competitors and then uh this is one of the tragic things that can happen when you're the leader of a race you come upon other drivers who are racing with one another and you almost get caught up in a, in a really, well, I guess technically you did get caught up in a, in an incident. Tell me about that. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, I think it's lap 83 or so or 80 plus. Right. And, um, by that point, um, Bobby Santos has made his way to second. Um, you, you know, he's coming and he'll be there by the end. And, um, he, I, I was struggling through some of the lap cars, um, ones I would just seem to catch wrong or hang me up for another corner. And, and it was shaving three tenths off the lead you know, every, every time. And, um, had, had finally cleared one and, and was trying to make quick work because I think there was three of them in a line and, um, trying to, trying to get there. And, and as I kind of committed to, to enter turn three, you know, hard and, and, and higher, you know, to try to start getting around the outside of them. Um, I think, I think Annie Bridinger in the 80 had, had spun in, into three and as, as she was, you know, sliding, um, and backing up the racetrack, Tyler Roerig was, was getting caught up in that. And, and I, had such a head of steam. I, I didn't have anywhere to, to go or I couldn't get checked up in time, um, to keep from running the back of Tyler. And, um, you know, I, I made heavy contact really and, and pushed his tail tank pretty far in and, and it, um, got in the left front of our car, you know, really a lot harder than I would have ever wanted to ever anyway. <clears throat> and, um, and bent the front axle back and, and crushed him in the nose, but, um, really fortunate that, that everything held together and held on. And, um, they had knocked the steering out of whack a little bit, but, um, how, how I'm not, you know, um, stuck there in turn three, you know, with, with it all wadded up. I, I don't know. Just, um, 
good fortune and, and maybe God's smiling down on us a little bit that day. Rand Thompson, uh, the track photographer at Toledo, has a great shot of this. And if I had not watched the highlights and had been talking to you right now, you're absolutely right. This this picture shows you with a torn up front end, right? Axles broke, uh, connecting rods snapped uh, is what you'd expect the outcome. Tire flat at a minimum is what you'd expect the outcome of this to be. And, and wow, so fortunate for you to be able to continue. Uh, and, and here's my question. Did it help the car at all, maybe tweaking that front end a little bit, or, or did it add a challenge to you to get through the rest of the race? Uh, it, it, it definitely added some challenge, you know, um, we, but by that point, you know, we're down to less than 15 to go. And so whatever you've got, it's time to, time to lay it all out there and, and try to try to win the race. Right. Cause if, um, if not, if you, if you get past you're you're just not going to catch them again. So, um, it, it knocked the steering out of whack and, and I was having to hold the wheel a little bit different. So, so I knew something would be different when I got to turn one and, um, you know, luckily our, our car took off really well and I was able to kind of get a, get a car length and a half gap maybe, um, into turn one. And, um, and I wasted it the first lap, right? He's, he's back to my bumper, um, at the end of the first one, but, but I had kind of tried to figure out what, um, how the car would respond, you know, and, and what to, what adjustments to make. And, and over the next couple laps, try to sort it out and just what I needed to do different to make the car as fast as it needed to be. And, um, you know, find, find a way to, to keep us in it. You know, I, I, we had a great car and, and I had a great team that um, deserved to win. And I, I certainly hated to put us in a, in a spot like that to have, have screwed it up and um, was just glad to, to find a way to finish it. And I think Cody, you had a big decision um, to make, but I mean, you, in, in those cars, you can kind of see what's going on. Uh, you know, you chose to keep it out on the racetrack, uh, not go down pit road, even though you had put quite a few cars a lap down. Uh, was there any consideration of taking that down and have it looked at? Um, I mean, the hard, the hard part is, uh, you know, our, our series counts caution laps. So if you come to pit road and you don't get back out, you know, you'll lose those laps too. Um, so it, it's not where you're, you're safe and going to be on lead lap no matter what. So um, there's, there's a risk every time you, you know, you come down pit road, that, um, especially at a, at a smaller track, you know, for our series like Toledo, uh, the cautions are only, you know, caution laps only 45 seconds or so. Um, and the, the other hard part is, um, what do you do? You know, if, if you find out it's, it's bent, I mean, at that point we know it's bent. Um, and, and I don't think there's any way you can really change anything quick enough to do it. So, um, it was, it was pretty much, um, you know, just, just going to have to ride it out and see, see what it does. And, and then, you know, one advantage, it wasn't like, um, no one could see it at all with, with the infield, uh, pit road there through one and two at, at Toledo. Um, you know, Kevin Doran was able to go and, and look out and see, you know, able to tell me the left side radius rods are bent, you know, so that, that explains what I'm feeling in the steering wheel. Um, but, but that, Hey, it looks like everything is still connected and intact and, um, just to, just to go for it. So it was, it was nice to have, have the confidence from, from them just to, um, to, you know, to, to go on a turn one and, and put it on the line and still try to win the race. You talked about heading into turn one and, and, and gapping just a little bit, but those pace laps had to be nervous for you knowing you had Bobby Santos behind you on that restart and not knowing what you had going into that next corner. Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. Um, even if you don't crash in the caution before, if you get a late yellow and, and Bobby's behind you, um, you, you know, you better be on your game, you know, and, and he had, he had done a great job throughout the race of, of, I, you know, I felt like he was managing his pace and, and I was having to race harder than I wanted to early. And, and maybe he had two more through the middle himself, but, um, you know, he's going to be good at the end. And, and like I said, not knowing what I had, 
um, there was there was no holding back at that point, right? It was it was to go for it all, all we had and, and hope that we could hang on. And really fortunate that um, that the car was still still good enough um, to, to help us finish it all off. Now you said that uh, it came down to being go for it all, win the race, win the championship. I want to back up because you did win the race, you did win the championship, and I'll come back to that. But earlier this year, you had a decision to make again. You had kind of started, we, we started hearing Cody Swanson's name a lot more for what he was doing in late model racing. And then all of a sudden, it was like, oops, you're leading the points for the Silver Crown Series again. Take me back to the middle part, I guess, or maybe a little bit before the middle part of the season where you kind of had to sit down, Cody, and say, okay, either we're going to go for this or we're not and and i'm either going to continue to run late models as much as i'm going to or i'm going to have to back that off a little bit is that kind of what the process was like the conversations were like uh, i mean there's there's some of that you know and and i i say i just went one at a time and i really feel like it did you know um the the beginning of the season you know the opener ended up being on pavement um i think there was a dirt race that rained out and um, I think I, I missed the second race of the year was at Williams Grove, um, in Pennsylvania on the dirt because I wasn't running the dirt races and I wasn't running for a title. And, um, so I, I didn't, didn't do that. And like you said, was focused on, on late miles and trying to, you know, move forward with any other opportunities. And, um, I, you know, I think, you know, had, had a great opportunity. One of them was to run with the SRX series. And that kind of brought me back to the dirt, um, there at Eldora. And a long, long time friend of mine, Kent Walters, um, you know, kind of, kind of leads the charge for the Mark Swanson encore team. Um, him and, him and Josh Carpenter, you know, said, Hey, maybe we could, we could put, um, put their silver crown car together. I've run their sprint car a lot and, and been good friends with him and, and Jeff Hellman's part of that team. And my buddy Ryan Roberts helped out and they kind of built a car from a, from a bare frame, like in 48 hours before the SRX race, wow. um, to, to give us a chance to do it and just have a little fun at that point. Right. To, to, to do to pull double duty on that night. And, um, you know, the way it ended, we went from 15th to third and, um, end up leaving there, uh, second or third in points. And I'd already missed one of three races. So, um, that was, that was kind of wild. Like, Hey, I wonder, wonder where we're really at here. And, <laughs> and at that point, right. We're at the end of, at the end of June and the pavement race had been rained out and, um, we, we ran well at Winchester and, and all of a sudden, you know, we're kind of partway into the season and I'm still in the hunt and, and had been doing, you know, as many late model things as, as I could. And, you know, as, as the schedule would allow, you know, not only me, but um, driving for Team Platinum and, and all that they had going on. And, um, and we got to, I think the last last race I ended up running with them was was in Jennerstown, Pennsylvania. Uh, had, had a tough night there, um, but but in, in early August. And at that point, there's still a lot of the Silver Crown season left. Um, I Because we were in Jennerstown running late models, I picked up a ride and, and for a one-off uh, at that point with uh, Chris Dyson's team. Sean Michael and and run at Selins Grove, Pennsylvania, um, had had a decent finish, run sixth, and um, at that point we're still in the hunt for the Silver Crown title, and I hadn't really focused on it at all yet. And um, you know, shortly after that, you know, talking to Team Platinum, we had had a bunch of really good runs at the beginning of the year, and, and things had kind of kind of faded through through the stretch of the summer, and and ultimately they decided to go in a different direction, um, and and that opened up you know some dates for me to be able to. To run on the miles and thankful to have been able to follow through with the opportunity with uh, the Chris Dyson nine. And we, we picked up a win there at Springfield and Napola DeCoin and, and had, uh, had a good run going for, you know, sometimes just bad luck gets to you. And, um, you know, like I said, so then just, just home one at a time, you know, we had, had the Hoosier classic, you know, back on the pavement with the Doran team and, and ran well there. And, and here we are with just a couple races to go. And we're, we're still in the thick of it with a chance to win a title. And, um, just kind of the way, the way it all played out. And, um, 
really, really neat to, to have won a championship like that. And I was going to ask you that too. Where where is this uh, on the ways that you've won a championship? I mean, you literally pieced this thing together as you just explained. Uh, so how does this one feel? As we, I think we've talked to you about this before. They don't get old. It's always great to win a championship, especially when you're talking about USAC Silver Crown. But this one, the way that you went about it, the way that it all just really the stars just aligned for you to be able to compete for this thing. Where is it for you on your list? Yeah, I mean, um, it's it's hard for me to ever rank them, right? I mean, everyone is, is special and for and for different reasons. And and this one, you know, obviously the uh, the fact we had to piece together one at a time is is you know a unique part of the story. Um, but you know, it um, it really showed to me. You know, I, I'll back up a little bit. You know, one of the things I wanted to do, trying to get into new things. Maybe the reason I take my focus off of Silver Crown racing was because. Um, I had invested so much and was, and we get so stressed out going for the championship, you know, in years past. And I've been fortunate to, to win it a few times and, um, just wanted to enjoy the silver crown racing again. You know, I, I'd gotten so, so wound up into it that it was almost hard to enjoy it anymore. And so this year, what was really neat is that I was just going each race at a time, not, not worrying about the points and just trying to win for the team I was driving for and carried that even through the dirt races as, as the season kind of wound on and, and the championship might've been a possibility. Um, was just, just that, that focus, um, was, was just enjoying each race, right. And, and letting the points take care of themselves instead of worrying about every uh, little thing uh, along the way, uh, maybe as much as I, I had in the past. And so, um, I mean, that part made it really, really neat because I, I really felt like you know, I, I enjoyed it e- each race and, and didn't didn't stress over it as much as maybe I had or when I was doing too much. And um, you know, another thing is that that each each one, right? I've been paired with great great teams um, over the years and and in the past, and and really fortunate to have had a lot of great runs and great people to work with. And, and this year, I got to do it with three different teams and three different sets of you know totally uh, amazing and committed people and, and racers that uh, want to go out and compete to win races. And um, it was just really uh, special to be part of that puzzle. Cody. You- you, you picked up your fifth Raleigh Beale Classic 100, your sixth USAC Silver Crown Championship. You're the all-time career wins leader in USAC Silver Crown Racing. Um, your name is not, I mean, obviously, it, you didn't need this championship to do it. Um, you know, with the Voglers, the Darlins, the, the Stewarts. I mean, you got to pinch yourself sometimes and, and wonder how you got here. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, I'm, I feel very fortunate and, and been so blessed, you know, by the people that God has put in my life, right? Um I mean, I, I remember, you know, starting in micro sprints and, and never thinking I was going to get the chance to race, you know, um, and, and, you know, the, the leap my family made to, to try to get, get me in, you know, in a mini sprint out there and, and, um, you know, driving, uh, first Grand America modified was, was a ride that, um, that Keith Williams, uh, Dennis out there by Celia put, put me in. My dad had been running it and he kind of left the seat open to give me a chance at 16, um, uh, there have been so many, um, breaks along the way and so many people, um, that have, have influenced my life and my career that, um, I mean, it's, it's been a pinch me type situation all along the way. And, um, to, to be able to, to look back on it and enjoy so many memories and like I said, and, and the people you meet, um, it's, it's been, um, it's been a special career already. I, I love showing up to a racetrack and you hear, I think Cody Swanson's here. Oh, yeah, what's he running? Who knows? Could be a front-wheel drive. Could be an Outlaw Super Late model. <laughs> could be a Silver Crown car. Could be a template car. Uh, and so I have to ask the question because, Cody, I got to know you better through your template racing. Are you going mm-hmm. to revisit that either at the end of this year or in 2022? 
Uh, I mean, the, you know, that's, that's the hard part for me is that um, it, it isn't always my choice, right? You know, I've, I've been really fortunate to have had a, had a good career kind of as a driver for hire and um, the climate in, in Temple Late Mile racing is, is very different from, from Silver Crown or, or Sprint Cars or Midgets. I feel like we're um, in the short track open wheel world, you know, we're, we're kind of stuck in the, the last little bubble of the way it was. Um, and, and that's, you know, it was such a, a special opportunity uh, to get to run for, for Mina Burba and Team Platinum um, because because of the situation there, because she was willing to um, stick a guy like me in it and, and give me a chance and, and take me to Smyrna and, and kind of show me the ropes and then give me a chance to run some races here around the Midwest. So uh, I was so grateful for that and still am and, and what I learned uh, through through them and with that that team, you know, Mark Metz is a big big part of that, and and there's so many people that um, that are involved, you know, with that team, right? So so that was such a special opportunity for me, um, you know. And as things have gone right, um, it's hard for me to say if I could get back to that. I don't know if I could ever find another situation like that, and um, I would love to do it. I love to continue to learn and, and to drive uh, different kinds of cars, right? But um, there's there's no real telling what the what the future holds there, but um, as far as the template cars go, but I'm going to continue trying to, you know, like I said, to work in the new opportunities, you know, I had another one that, that popped up uh, kind of through SRX had, had met uh, Mike Bean, you know, president of GMS. He was my uh, crew chief that night. And, and even though we come up uh, just a little short, we ran second and we worked together well and got a chance to run their ARCA car and learned a lot through that. And, um, you know, I hope I can continue to, to try to move forward with opportunities like that. Um, and see what uh, see what comes of it. Well, Cody, I know that you uh, obviously everybody knows your talent and and what you can do behind the wheel of a race car. And uh, I have a feeling in my mind that there are probably things in the works that we'll get to see you uh, in some really cool things again in 2022. So, uh, congratulations on another Silver Crown Championship. Congratulations on a win at Toledo. And uh, man, thank you so much for making time to join us tonight. Hey, you bet. I sure sure appreciate it. It's been uh, been great to get to know you guys. And and thanks for. Uh, following silver crown racing and uh, and give me a call it's great to be on the show always a pleasure to chat with cody uh glad to be able to call him up said hey what are you doing he goes yeah let's do it so uh love running into him shaking his hand in the pit area and what a he's a great race car driver and a great all-around guy um love talking to him and now i'm interested to see fendered cars are they still in this future i, I mean i don't know I, well, we're gonna have to wait and find out i guess um so uh good job by him and, and i'm a little jealous rich you got to take in a really fun race on Sunday. Yeah, and you know, it, it, it was kind of funny. I, I took the um, I took the Helmogarn trophy down to him and, and presented it to him. And I don't think he expected it to be as heavy as it was because <laughs> when, they, when they handed it to me, I almost dropped it. Yikes! Because it didn't look heavy. It is very weighted, and so uh, yeah, he had to grab it with two. Grab another hand underneath it before. Uh, but it was it was pretty cool. All right, now let's get back into some of the news from over the weekend as part of the Roll the Dice event. We talked about it earlier in the show. Uh, the Buckeye Outlaw Sprint Series took on the Great Lakes Traditional Sprints. That's the non-wing 410, a total of 28 cars, just shy of 30 on the property. For the event, it was the final one of the season for the GLTS and the penultimate event for the Boss Series. The event began with six drivers besting the old track record during qualifying, Max Adams who set fast time at a 15.672. Cody White, Dustin Ingle, J.J. Hughes, Keith Sheffer Jr., and Steve Irwin all timed in under Landon Simon's old record of 15.936. Mike Miller and Matt Westfall brought the field to the green flag with Westfall grabbing the early lead over Isaac Chapel as the boss points leading duo look to settle their tight battle on the racetrack. Max Adams on the move quickly. He pulled the number eight 
In the redraw earlier, he was already up to third, just a few laps into the event. First caution flag flew on lap 13 on the restart. Westfall brings the field to the green. Adams already had got by Chapel for the runner-up spot, and just a lap later was by Westfall on uh, off turn two for the lead. A couple of more yellows slow the action, but it was still Adams as he was never challenged. Westfall and Chapel completed the podium, and of course Dustin Daggett uh, finished in fourth, and Dustin Ingle rounded out the top five for the sprint car portion of Roll the Dice. Also over the weekend, Rich, uh, big racing at Springport Mid-Michigan Speedway. What, they have like 236 cars or something checked in over the weekend? It was unreal how many cars they had. Yeah, I, I, last the last number I saw, because I, I couldn't follow it where I was, but I know it was close to 200. And, um, wow, it it, uh, it really, yeah, cut. When you go back to back like that, almost with with the Super Shoe and the Michigan Cup, just a couple of weeks apart, um, I think I think what comes down to it, Zach, we missed a couple of parties. Yeah, we sure did. <laughs> we absolutely did. Uh, let's give you the highlights of the divisions uh, because again, it was absolutely a massive show. So we'll talk about the A divisions for everyone. Ryan Holster, Hollister, I'm sorry, Ryan Hollister got the port stock feature win on Sunday in his number five R machine. Then in the street stock division. Sean O'Moore went to victory lane behind the wheel of the number three. Uh, he and Brock Gannis, how about this, Rich? They started 19th and 20th, respectively, and drove through the field. Sean O'Moore gets the win. Both drivers gain 18 spots throughout the course of that A feature event for the street stocks. Can you believe that? I would I would have loved to watch that race. 35 laps. That, I, 35 I, laps. I bet those two were putting on a show. Uh, again, we missed a heck of a party. Modifieds, uh, this was a good one. Jeff Gannis gains nine spots going from 10th to pick up the win uh, over Corey Pressler, who started inside of row number two, couldn't quite hold on to get the win. Nice job by Gannis, friend of the program. Late model sportsman Buddy Head, 17th to 1st. That's what I love about these ABC-style shows. You qualify in, and then you see guys go through the field. 16 spots to get the win over Dylan Stovall, who started 15th. Kenny Head started 18th, finished 3rd. Uh, Douglas Gallaudet started 12th, finished 4th. And Tom Hernley Jr., how about Tom getting back behind the wheel of a race car over the weekend? Saw that on social media. He started 10th and finished 5th. Nice job to Tom Hernley, the uh, one of the co-promoters at uh, Corganola Speedway. So nice job, Tom. Tr Tracy got in the car, too. Did she? Was she in the modified yeah. race? Well, yeah, I believe so. they, were, they were both driving this weekend. They hold on. Some fun. We can't uh, we can't we can't leave uh, them off. the. So Tracy had a tough day. She started 12th, finished 15th um, in her number 81 machine. But hey, I bet she had fun back behind the wheel. Yeah, they've been busy all year long. And uh, I think she only got behind the wheel once before this event uh, this season. But uh, I bet they were having a ball this weekend at Springport. Well, one of the guys that had a lot of fun this weekend, Rich France, now joins us on the phone. Uh, he picked up the Outlaw Super Late Model win on Sunday at Springport Mid-Michigan Speedway. Justin Clority joins the program. Justin, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. I want to talk about, first off, before we even get into the race, I want to talk about Michigan Cup at Springport Mid-Michigan Speedway. Uh, we kind of previewed it last week, Rich and I did. But for those who've not been or those who don't, get it i guess from the driver's standpoint this race it's as much about being a race as it is about just enjoying a weekend to close out the season tell me a little bit about it yeah it really is um you know we came in on friday and i think all the the camping areas all the reserve camping areas were full already um 
so it was quite an event. Um, people were having a great time, just a great way to, to end the year and, and get together. And uh, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely a unique event for sure. Um, I wasn't able to make it last year, so I was uh, real pleased to be able to make it make it this year and, and be a part of it all. Now, this is it's an interesting format. You kind of got Friday practice qualifying, Saturday practice qualifying, Sunday main event. Um, for your division, it's it's pretty straightforward. Outlaw Super Late Models all, all are going to run together. Uh, how did your weekend unfold? Take me through your weekend up to the race. Yeah, it went. It, um, started out pretty well. Hadn't run at Springport all year um, in the F70 tire this year, so a different tire. They'd done some work to the track um, to make it a little bit smoother. So, you know, there was some kind of new variables coming in, but uh, went out once on Friday uh, on, on older tires, and the car felt pretty good, made some minor adjustments, and then I went out once on good tires Saturday um, to get a good time in, and then just, you know, felt pretty good about the car again, made a couple more minor adjustments for Sunday, and uh, turned out to be, turned out to be the right thing um so it's always good when you can improve the car without having to um spend a lot of time on the track and uh so it came together well justin last time last time i saw you we were at corrigan oil speedway uh on the f70s you you were fast qualifier that night did that help you uh having to run those f70s all year long um at corrigan oil yeah, it definitely did. Um, early in the year, you know, I felt like we were a little behind on the F70s. Um, and then especially not having run Corrigan Oil Speedway, having outlaws in so many years, um, you know, I felt like for the first quarter of the year, you know, we're car was kind of mediocre and we uh, worked hard. And I think once we got in the second half of the season there at Corrigan Oil, um, we really, uh, really started to figure out figure out the car, um, figure out the tires. And so, yeah, I did feel pretty confident going into Springport that, um, you know, I had had a pretty good handle on the tires. And I just kind of took, you know, what we'd done previously, previously in previous years at Springport, um, along with some of the things I picked up at Corrigan Oil from the F70s and kind of morphed it together. And it, it turned out to be the right combination. Talk to me about your qualifying effort, your mindset going into that, because when I was looking through everything, it just seemed like if you were fast, you were starting at the back. Yeah. Um, you know, Michigan cup traditionally is always has deep inverts. So, I mean, you kind of knew that you're going to have that. Um, but fortunately Springport's a, a wide track and, you know, it seems like you always think there's not going to be enough time to get, to get to the front. And, and, um, that generally isn't the case. So definitely expected a deep invert. Uh, we went out, ran what I felt like was a pretty solid time. Um, I think it was a uh, 14.7. And um, I really thought it would hold up for the for fast time, and it didn't. Um, Mark Shook and Matt Fraser got some really good laps in in the second session. And then so I was kind of torn on to go back out, put more another heat cycle on the tires to maybe be able to get fast time. But. I wasn't really confident that I knew I could get real close, but I wasn't hundred percent confident I'd have a chance to have fast time. So we just decided to, um, knowing that it'd be a deep invert, um, to just save, save the time on the tires. And, uh, it would likely be kind of a race to who could get to the front first. Now you kind of answered the question I was going to ask you, Justin is 
is sandbag in your vocabulary, and uh, so it sounds like you know if you thought you could have went and got fast time, you'd went out there and got it despite the invert. Is that right? Yeah, that's for sure. It's really not. It's really not in my vocabulary. Um, you know, we set fast time at Corgan Oil up at the Whittemore for the Growler. Also set fast time, and I just I don't know. To me, it's just a it's a pride thing. Um, you give it all you have every time you're on the track, and and if you're good enough, then you'll be able, the car's good enough. You'll be able to overcome it. Um, despite your starting position. I mean, you can have situations where you know, maybe you start ahead of a couple people, but your lane doesn't go or you have to avoid something and, and it doesn't even sometimes matter if, if you, um, you know, if you, where you start, I mean, it matters where you start, but sometimes one or two positions doesn't really matter. Um, so it was, that was kind of a way that if I really felt confident, you know, we could have got fast time. I definitely would have went back out. Um, but it, uh, Turned out to be the right decision. I don't know if it made a difference. Well, you still started um, deep, right? It. I mean, you, you still you rolled off like uh, what second to last car on the field. Yes. Uh, yeah, I think it was just uh, Frazier and um, Shook were the two that were behind me. So yeah, it was uh, third third to last car. Yeah, for sure. So now, one last thing on the sandbagging thing because I, I know it used to be controversial. Don't they have rules in place for that now? Breakout rules, like if you try to qualify slower and then you're faster in the race. Do they do they do that in your outlaw division too? Yeah, they do. Um, I believe at Springport it's a quarter of a second is, is the breakout rule. I'm not real familiar with it. Um, <laughs> because because sandbag is not in your vocabulary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, let's talk about the race then. Enough with that. Uh, you, you qualify. You get put toward the back. Uh, it is what it is. Now, we saw here on the other races that, that took place – guys were able to get through the field. Was this a racier Springport than we've seen in years past? Because all those other divisions, the guys in the, that won, they started deep in the field. Yeah, you know, I, I think in a way it was. Um, but, you know, it's always been a pretty racy track, in my opinion. Um, if you get, can get your car working on the high side, you can usually make up quite a bit of, bit of ground, especially early on. And so, you know, we came out on the track and they came on the race receiver and said, um, you know, it's not going to be 50 laps, it's going to be 40 laps. And so I'm at the back thinking, oh, man, this, that's terrible. And then, you know, it ended up, ended up getting the front pretty quick. And then at that point, then you're thinking, well, I wish it was 30 laps at this point. So it's all kind of in, the, in your perspective based on where you're at and how you're doing. Um, but, you know, really at the start, the outside lane started moving and then um, once I was able to get down, I don't remember if it took maybe three laps to get to the front. It, it happened really Whoa. fast. It was just, yeah, <laughs> that is it was, quick. Yeah, it was really quick. Um, it just kind of, um, the outside lane moved, and then I was able to get to the bottom um, for, the, I think, the last two positions to, to take the lead. And then um, from what my guys told me, I had, I had a pretty good, almost a straightaway lead there for a while. And then we had a couple of late cautions um, to bunch things back up. I, you know, you, you had me kind of curious until you said three laps because, because normally I would think, uh, you know, you guys start, you think you're starting a 50 lap feature. Okay. You, you need to be a little patient because you want to keep the nose on that seven machine. <laughs> yeah. But, 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 um, but when they come out and say 10 laps less, you can, you, you have to kind of 
flip a switch and change your mindset, I have less time to get there. Yeah, for sure. And then also they do, um, they're doing the Delaware style restarts. So that really places a premium on, on getting out to into the lead. Um, so then when you do have those, those restarts, you know, you definitely have, have an advantage there. So I didn't anticipate it would happen that fast. It just kind of opened and I made the right moves at the right time. But, um, yeah, for sure. When, when you hear that you're losing laps, your, your automatic first reaction is, you know, I hope I don't run out of time. So are you just following Mark, Mark Shook and Matt Frazier through the field or are they following you? I guess, uh, I, I guess you started in front of both of those guys. You guys just freight trained the field or, 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 I mean, I'm just trying to envision this. You said the top lane got rolling, but man, to pick off, you know, a dozen cars in three laps at Springport. I'm trying to figure this out, how you guys managed to do that. <laughs> yeah, it was um, – I know the, all the first passes were on the outside, and then the next thing I know, there was two cars ahead of me. Um, so I, I literally think, it, you know, somewhere in that three-lap range. I don't know um, – <clears throat> Jeff Gannis started the inside of me, and so I think he got pinned in – um, he was definitely one that I was worried about. He got pinned in on that inside lane. And I know that when we, I believe he got to second first, cause I think on the first restart when they were announcing the order over the race receiver, I remember hearing that number five was in second and 14 was in third. So at some point there, um, Shook was able to, uh, to get by Gannis. Um, and I'm not a hundred percent, no mirrors, no radios. It's kind of. You know, you don't have a lot of information. Um, what's going on behind you? Was this pretty? Your marks and was this a pretty clean away. race? I'm sorry. What was that? I say, was this a pretty clean race? I mean, uh, did you guys go green most of the way? Yeah, it was. I think there was three cautions, all for pretty minor incidents. Like one, one car, two car. I think someone had motor maybe lost the motor and spun in their own oil. And then I think the other two were, were two car incidents. So yeah, overall it was a pretty quick race. Um, the yellows were quick cleanup and we were back to it. So, um, does that, that help? Does that help you as a driver? Uh, because I know that sometimes you spend too much time in that race car and you get too much time to examine everything that's going on. And, and we hear drivers talk about staying in a rhythm or do you appreciate a break every now and then to catch your breath and analyze what's been going on? Yeah, I um, I I don't like long cautions because I don't. I feel like you have too much time to too much time to think. Like you said, you kind of, you know, you want to make sure you don't lose your rhythm. Um, you know, especially I know I couldn't hear anyone behind me. I guess I had a pretty good lead before the first one. So obviously, when you have a lead, <laughs> you don't want cautions. But um, you know, other times there's certain tracks you go to that if you do go green flag for a long time you know sometimes you got to worry about oil temperature creeping up or brakes fading a little bit or, or how are the tires going to hold up and uh you know short race like that there's, there's no cruising you're going hard every lap so um sometimes sometimes that that break can help uh cool things down but at the other on the flip side sometimes it helps your opponent uh, if you have a better balance and your car is not going away as much as your opponent and then you get that yellow and, th and they get a chance to to uh, cool things back down, it, it can bite you. So it's, it really depends on the circumstances. But ideally, I, I prefer, you know, to go green, let things sort out. 
Um, you know, it's the old adage, cautions, read cautions. You know, you feel like when you bunch things back up, there's a good chance it could start a string of cautions, which can be pretty frustrating. Justin, I, I've always wanted to talk to you about this, and we never, I, I've never been able to make it over and have this conversation with you, so now's a better time than any. Um, everybody usually has a love outside of racing, what they do, but you do SCCA racing, am I correct? Talk to me about that and, um, you know, how that works with your with your oval track career, and, and does that help you? Just kind of tell me on what you do on the side, because I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, I started doing that um... – I think it's been, this is my third year and, and it, it kind of started a lot of people said, how'd you even know about that? And when I was growing up, my dad raced SCCA, he raced production cars, um, nationally. So I kind of grew up around it. And then when I started racing on my own, it was actually was just finishing up college. And so I was looking for something that was economical and I'm like, Hey, this oval track stuff, which I didn't know much about aside from NASCAR. I'm like, Hey, this actually, you can win some money and stuff. This is probably a good place to start. <laughs> and then so about 15 years later, I'm still doing it, but I always in the back of my mind, I always said, you know, I, I really want to do, I really want a road race. Um, I really want, I mean, to, you know, to, um, kind of getting the Zach's background. I'd really like to try dirt racing too. So I just really enjoy racing. I feel like, you know, the people I looked up to growing up were like AJ Foyt and like Mario Andretti and those guys that kind of raced anything everywhere, you know, kind of like a, um, you know, Tony Stewart type. And, uh, so, um, actually ended up, um, my dad wanted to get back into driving. So we actually ended up getting a car and, um, and did like one track day just to get a feel for it and then then started racing it and um it's it's been a lot of fun a lot of people ask me which one do you like better and they're so different that i don't it's not really a question you can answer um it's kind of like comparing apples and oranges but it's really a lot of fun um you know it's a whole weekend deal you go to some really neat neat places um actually last weekend i was in indianapolis for the national championship race uh, we go to road america and you can race the car anywhere in the country. So it's, um, it's a lot of fun. I really enjoy it. I, I was going to, I was going to ask you, uh, you mentioned the economical oval track. How's that economical stuff working out for you? <laughs> there's nothing, there's nothing <laughs> economical about oval track or, uh, or road racing. You just, um, you try to slow down the bleeding, so to speak, I guess. But, you know, fortunately I've had, you know, I have some, some great sponsors and, um, we're able to really, um, you know, just really focus on where, where the money is good on the oval racing side. And so, you know, with that being said, what Corrigan Oil Speedway did with a real generous purse and a two tire roll, um, you know, really, really helped out the economics. Um, you know, a lot of, they always talk about the cost of the cost of racing and our biggest expense, number one is tires and, you know, number two or real close is motor. So, a lot of the times when they come up with these ideas to save money, it's like, it's really not getting at, at the biggest expenses. So, um, that was, uh, you know, hats off to, um, Tom and Tracy Hernley for, for recognizing that as racers and, and implementing that rule, which I know wasn't easy to, you know, took a lot of resources and staff and space to store 
tires and everything like that. Um, but it definitely helped the economics for sure. I could have answered that question for you. Uh, my dad could have answered that question for you a long time ago, Justin. Some sort of saying about a woman's anatomy and tires, it's going to cost you money. Um, and, of course, I cleaned that up for the show. And also, you know, no slouch in this SCAA racing. Uh, you know, I'm looking here at the Clottery Racing Facebook page or the uh, the clarity I always say your name wrong so I'm going to say it wrong a couple times throughout this interview Justin I tried to teach him and he's he's just unteachable <laughs> I'm unteachable you can lead a horse to water but you can't make him drink anywho you guys are competitive in this SCAA racing too qualifying 8th uh, in your last outing that we saw here and then um, you know the race went pretty well for you guys too uh, you were competitive in it anyhow first off my question is what is this car that I'm looking at here can you can you tell me what this is a little bit yeah, it's actually called a, a Spec Racer Ford, and SCCA um, implemented the class back in, like, the, I think it was 1984, and the idea was, hey, we're going to build a, a spec car with sealed engines, and it's going to be all about um, driver and, and chassis setup, and this is, like, the third generation. I think the first generation um, had a Renault engine, and then they had, like, a Ford engine, and then now this is like a more high-powered, lighter-weight Ford engine. So I believe that they built over, last I knew, they built over 900 of these cars. And most of them are still out there racing. And um, so, you know, it was it was attractive from a cost standpoint. Um, and the, the other thing that really was attractive to me is a lot of the classes in FTCA, if you go, except for the national championship race, um, you go and you're racing with other classes mixed in. There's always, I mean, you can go anywhere and there's pretty much guaranteed there's going to be 30 of these cars there. And so I'm used to racing wheel to wheel with cars. I mean, that's what's fun for me. So I wanted something that was competitive from that standpoint. And then the cars being pretty much all the same is, um, I mean, a tenth of a second, which you know, we think of as a lot in oval track racing. I mean, we're fighting for tenths of a second in that series on tracks that take, you know, even at like Road America that takes two and a half minutes to get around. It's four miles long. So the competition's really, really tight. And, um, you know, I've, you know, I'd watched some videos and watched some races in person was like, man, these guys are really good. It's, it's a driver's class. I mean, that's people who, you know, value driving and racing hard are attracted to that class and um you know there's other classes where uh you know that's that's more you know engineering based and stuff like that so um i, wa I watched some races then i got out racing with them and i'm like wow they're really good <laughs> um so um i feel like we've done pretty well for being new to it um last year up at road america i did get fifth at the at the national championship race um, and those national championship races, they'll start 72 cars at Indianapolis. There's actually 84 wow. cars. So 12 cars went home. Now, now uh, Rand, Rand Thompson is going to be really happy that we're diving into this. He loves to shoot these SCAA races. Now, th is this, are both of these cars, the outlaw car and this car, are they coming out of the same stable for you? Yeah, they are. Yep. What, uh, what's the crossover technology like? I mean, are you able to take, uh, technology learnings from say everything, all the advancements in the outlaw super late model and apply it to what you're doing, the knowledge, uh, that you have there to the S, uh, S, uh, SCCA car or vice versa. Can you take things from the road course car and apply it to the outlaw car? 
there's really not much that carries over specifically. I think a lot of it is just kind of that, that attention to detail, um, translating that from the outlaw car, just, you know, having the setup spot on and, and not being afraid to make adjustments and try different things. Um, I feel like that's, that's carried over, but as far as specifics, you know, the outlaw stuff on, you know, around bump stops and, and triple adjustable shocks and, and the FCCA stuff is just single adjustable shocks. And is it a little more? Si- is it a little more basic or simple? I don't know what phrase to use there. Or straightforward, maybe. Yeah, it, it is a little bit. Um, you know, they have full adjustability on, on caster camber, ride heights, bump steer, shocks are adjustable, sway bars. Um, but uh, you know, you definitely don't. The shocks are sealed, so you can't get in anything. You know, as far as um, Sealed shock, uh, as far as shock builds, uh, the motors and transmissions are sealed. Um, so, you know, the nice thing with it is you don't have to have the latest and greatest. You know, you're not spending the off season wondering, well, what what, what does someone else have that I don't have, and, and how can I try to get it? <laughs> um, so that's that's kind of the feeling thing. It is a little bit more basic, but it's not so basic that um, I can't apply some some of those things and some of those concepts and try different things. Justin, uh, I was happy to see you park it in Victory Lane uh, over the weekend at Springport. I'm going to be honest, uh, I love watching that 7 car. You've shown speed lately, but I, I don't see you getting a whole lot of wins in that car, so I was really happy to see that. Um, uh, is this a turning point for you? You think uh, heading into the 2022 season, you guys are going to really put put something together? or what are your, What's your plan now with the road coursing, with the outlaw car? Uh, what, what are you looking at? Yeah, I think it is a turning point. You know, like I said earlier, I didn't feel like we had great speed the first part of the season. And, um, you know, if you feel like the last part, set fast time, was, was leading um, at the harvest at Springport um, before Phil Bozell and I got together and ended up going to the back. Um, set fast time at Whittemore and was moving, I think, passing for third when um, – Tony Rosebrew lost power steering and we got together a little bit. And so I really think, you know, for the last about half of the season, the car had been, had been fast enough to win. It just hadn't come together. So I think it is kind of a turning point. We're finally able to get that win and, and carry a lot of momentum into next year. Ron says long overdue, very fast car. Rand is, says you're an accomplished SCCA road racer. Scott says you got a sweet car. Doug says you're a good racer. You got a lot of folks behind you, uh, Justin, who are rooting for you. So good luck with uh, whatever you have left here in 2021. And yeah, we'll keep an eye on you for big things in 2022. Okay, yeah, absolutely. We're looking forward to 2022. Um, our plan is to run the, the full schedule at Corgan Oil Speedway again. Um, my one sponsor, Complete Tree, um, is in the process of buying the car, and I'll still be racing it. So it'll it'll look the same. It'll still be the same color, same number. And uh, so I think we're going to kind of focus on Corgan Oil. But I do want to get uh, – um, would like to hit a few Springport shows. I always like hitting the, uh, the big flat rock shows, um, the Stan Yee and Enjoy Fair, and then um, and probably Whittemore for the Growler. So – yeah, looking to not looking to slow down, and you know there are some scheduling conflicts that inevitably come up with with the road racing, um, but we'll work through them and do them, keep doing them both, and having having fun. Justin, we appreciate you making time to join us tonight. Congratulations, and uh, we'll see you at a racetrack soon. All right. 
All right. Thanks, guys. Hey, appreciate everything you do for the sport, and we'll look forward to seeing you at the track. Well, glad to get Justin on the show finally, and, and what a... I mean, that guy's just a race car driver all around. He doesn't care. He'll get in anything and wheel it. Try to wheel it to the front. Pretty cool story. Uh, Rich, we, we kind of we teased it earlier in the show. One of the biggest weekends in racing, one of two to close out basically the 2021 season, if you don't count uh, what's going to happen in December, is coming up this weekend down in Indiana. The Winchester 400 is this weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and championships going to be decided each and every day down in Winchester, Indiana. Yeah, Zach, we're going to kick things off on Friday. Uh, the Jags area all-stars tour. Uh, they are going to have their 100 lap season championship event. Uh, the Vores compact touring series will also be in action on Friday night. The defending race winner, Co Cody Coughlin, also your regular season champion in 2021. So he'll be going for back-to-back -back championships. Uh, and a little bit of a Michigan connection here for their Chase drivers. Andrew Scheid and Chase Berta are one of the are two of the four that are eligible to win the championship, uh, along with uh, Auburn, Indiana's Tanner Jack. So that should be an interesting Jags CRA All Stars Tour event. But uh, you know th those youngsters, all three of them young, uh, chasing the experience of Cody Coughlin. That's going to be a big task for them. I tell you what, though. And I don't think that it's any um, secret. Those three youngsters have had very consistent seasons. And what I mean by that is, now you could say, well, Andrew Shine had a terrible regular season. Yes, but they have come on here when it matters. And uh, Chase Berta, bad luck at the beginning of the season, but they came on when it mattered. Tanner Jack, consistent all year uh, in that number 41 machine. Cody Coughlin, to me, is a wild card because if he hasn't won Rich, he's had bad luck. So I think that Cody's a wild card right now. Well, and, and let's let's give you an example for this weekend, Zach. Cody Coughlin broke and did not finish that race at Lucas Oil. I was talking to Andrew Scheid's dad down in the concession stand because we all have to eat, right? Yes, exactly. And Andrew had never seen Lucas Oil Raceway before he showed up there on Saturday and, and knocked off a top five finish. That youngster learns really, really fast, and he's going to learn really, really fast at Winchester, too, I think. And remember, they went to uh, Winchester and tested ahead of what was supposed to be their Labor Day weekend show, and that ended up getting canceled. And he came in after laying down what I was told was very competitive lap times and said, this place feels kind of slow. So uh, hopefully he doesn't go in with too much confidence at Winchester, but uh, I, I really think... This is an impressive Final Four to keep an eye on in Winchester. Um, and, 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 man, I don't know who you who you call the favorite going in. I guess on paper it has to be Cody Coughlin, but in reality, I don't really know that there is a favorite. Well, you have to remember one thing. they For the championship, for the Jake Sierra All-Stars Tour championship, those four are just racing each other. Right. Wh whoever, whoever wins that. Now, we haven't even got into the other notables for the actual winning of the race. Yeah, now, good point. Kyle Crump, Brian Campbell, Evan Shotko, Albert Francis, Brandon Oakley. Those are the guys that you have to beat to win the race. How about the updated list that has Ethan Stanuchek going to the Winchester 100? Brandon Oakley will be there in his 22 machine. Uh, we also should probably mention Kevin Cremonesi. He's had consistent runs with the Jegs Tour this year. Um, and uh, so it really... Uh, oh, by the way, I do want to mention friend of the program, Paige Rogers, just added her name to the list uh, today. We, we talked to her earlier this year. She said she would like to go. And so they got a car ready. They're, I mean, all around this... 
are stout competitors who could go to victory lane. Exactly. But I, I guess that's what, and that's what I, you know, I was talking to, to Andrew a little bit now, and, and I was talking to, I was actually talking to Hunter Jack Tanner's brother and said, you know, when you go there next week, you're only racing three other guys. Yeah. You know, you're not racing the whole field because you don't have to win the race to win the championship. You just have to be the highest finishing driver of those four chase cars. And uh, so we'll see how we, Dan Leak's done it a couple of times before. We'll see who, you know, when Cody Coughlin's uh, been awfully fast, we'll have to see how it works out. I don't, ah, is it way too early predictions, Rich France, for the Winchester 100 championship winner for the JEG CRA All-Stars Tour? I'm trying to, I'm trying to pick a driver with my strategic racing brain and not with my heart because uh, if you pick, Chase Berta, that's a sophomore year driver getting a championship, rookie of the year last year. You pick Andrew Scheid or Tanner Jack, that's two rookies who would walk away with the championship. Cinderella story's there. And and but if you pick Cody Coughlin, it seems like you're picking the shoe in. I mean, I just don't I mean, who do you who do you have going to the championship at the end of the day? I just think when you look at it, you know what? I'm gonna say it. Tanner Jack is my pick for the championship for the 2021 season for the Jeg CRA All Stars Tour. I think they'll get it done. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in in that fishbowl with you too, but I'm gonna, I'm not gonna be as dangerous as you are because <laughs> all, all three of these families are friends of our program. Absolutely, uh, they are. You know, you know, and we 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 wish them all luck. We don't want to pick over either one of them. Yep. And I think if if nothing goes wrong. I think you see the Jags number one picking up back-to-back championship. Well, That's yeah, if nothing goes wrong, but this is Winchester Speedway, Rich France. So, that, I mean, that. so, all right. Yeah, no, listen, if Andrew Scheid wins the championship, I'm going to be applauding. If Chase Bur- I'm going to be applauding. If Tanner Jack, I'm going to be uh, – listen, I'm going to be applauding either way, Any either four of these drivers. Well, uh, you know you know what, Zach? We, we started this program on, on – dirt racing basis right we were always a dirt track dirt tracks i'm taking the two dirt guys chase berta and andrew scheid how about that i'll take them both so wait a minute you've picked three yeah. of the four yeah. <laughs> so now at least two of them aren't going to be mad at me so does that mean <laughs> that i have three to one odds if we actually put money on this yeah yeah <laughs> oh, now, now, man. Hunter Jack, now, now hunter and tanner are going to come find me and said why didn't you pick why us? didn't you pick you know, us but, well let's yeah. talk about the super series then uh well and actually let's let's finish up let's go in order saturday uh run for the gun 50 with the midwest modifieds tour that's going to be great of course and then cra street stocks and their late model sportsmen will have championship races uh, on saturday as well and um I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know enough about those two divisions to make a decision. Other than Jason Atkinson has to be a favorite. Yes, and stocks. I did hear. I did. Hear, I think I read today, Zach. They're looking at almost 40 cars, if not more, for that run for the Gun 50 for the Modifieds. <clears throat> that is going to be spectacular. And you know what that means? They're not all making the show. Yeah, exactly. And and when you look at those statistics, it's kind of hard. If Kyle Purvis rolls onto the property, you you probably got to look that 13s way, right? Yeah, I think so. Don't you? I mean, I mean, he's the one that closed the deal last year, and um, three and I think three wins on I, the, on the career there. So, yep. And I think until you beat him, you got to call him the champion, don't you? I think so. Yeah, exactly. Okay, let's go to Sunday, Rich Arca CRA Super Series, four hundred laps around Winchester Speedway, and same idea. Four drivers in the hunt 
for the Anka CRA Super Series Championship, and they'll be racing amongst some of the best in the country who just want a Winchester 400 win. Yeah, so 25 grand to win, Zach. The defending race winner, Carson Hosevar, coming back to defend. Uh, we do know that. Chase drivers. Let's get to the chase drivers first. We'll talk about them. So um, at Lucas Oil this weekend, they were already th – these these guys were locked in, got themselves taken care of. Hunter Jack, Kyle Crump, Cody Coughlin, and Scotty Tomasek. What do you think? For the championship? Who, who do yes. I think is going to win the championship? Yeah, um, out of those four. Kyle Crump. Kyle Crump, without hesitation. Um the resilience that team has shown this year, the no-quit attitude, they've been fast. They've had their stuff right. And I think even if they have problems in that race, remember they were fast last year. They ran second to Carson Hosevar for a lot of that race. Um, Kyle Crump, hands down. Now, now we know Kyle listens to the show. He's a, he's a friend of the program. So because we cannot pick the same person, so I'm off the hook, thank you, for taking Kyle Crump. <laughs> uh, because you weren't going to. Whoa, because you weren't going to. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so here we go. So I'm going to I'm going to go with somebody else and and I think and I, let me explain my reason. Hunter Jack has been at the front all year long. He's on the verge of picking up his first ever Super Series win. Yeah. He's he's he won the regular season championship without a win. And I think it's ready. It's time for him to. I don't know that he wins this race just because there's a lot of talent, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say Hunter Jack walks away with your 2021 Arca Seri Super Series Championship. Cody Coughlin, uh, I know that you listen to the show regularly. Um, I, I, we're, we're apologizing. Scotty Thomasick, telling you what, that would be a dark horse story if Scotty stays out of trouble and, and, and comes through. And that's really what this comes down to, Rich. Those guys that are fast. They can end up in the thick of something, and not saying that Scotty's not fast, but he has a tendency to ride around the back and then all of a sudden finish up front in races, and I think that strategy may just work for 400 laps around Winchester. It very well could because, you you know, we've seen Zach, uh, you know, in the in the last couple of years, it, it, it makes no difference what you do in the first part. You have to be around for that last 100. You have to have tires left. And some and, and and fuel in your car would help too. Ask Stephen Nassie about that last. Year. Well, and that's what so. I was going to say. Is you <laughs> you got to have that luck on your side. I mean, that's exactly where I was going to go. Stephen Nassie's one of the best late model drivers in the country, and uh, this race kicked his butt last year over something simple. Right it, now, let, let's talk about now. Let's talk about the race win because now it gets really interesting um, when you put the Arca Series Super Series Championship aside. So we mentioned Hosevar, Hosevar Nassie. They'll be there. Chandler Smith, Caden Lapsovich, Corey Heim, Sammy Smith, Jake Garcia, Dalton Armstrong. Flip a coin. Flip a coin. Kyle Corey, Heim, um, Corey Heim almost had him an All-American 400 win last year. Broke down pit road. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. Kyle I, Crump. I don't know. Kyle Crump. You think? Kyle Crump wins the race, wins the championship. Wins the race, wins the championship. He's going to lock it all down. There. Make it easy. Make it easy. Listen, this guy has been he he was what six inches from winning the uh, to the uh, Glass City two hundred, um, which realistically he probably shouldn't have won. He pulled out, had to start at the back, made adjustments. Again, I get it. 
Zach, that's a hundred mile. That's a hundred lap race around Toledo Speedway. It's nothing like the Winchester 400. Redbud 400 got beaten, abused to the back. One la two lap penalty, recovered from that flat tire, almost wrecked at the end. One. I, I mean, uh, this this kid. I'm telling you, this is his season. This is his year. And I can tell you right now, Rich. I know who you're thinking about picking. This guy hasn't finished a late model race this season except for at Flat Rock where he won um, and and maybe a couple others. I, I'm, I'm just paraphrasing here. I've seen this guy wreck out of more late model races this year than he's won, and that's Carson And that Mosabar. is not who I was going to okay. pick. Okay, all right, all right. Okay, all right. you threw me a curveball. Yeah, I, I am going to throw you a curveball because there's a couple other guys in the field that I like a lot, and, and it's going to be a toss-up because I am not – I, I'm not running away from our 2019 champion. Why would I want to even do that? Uh, because he almost could have won last year as well. Okay. He almost could have went two years in a row. And then um, Corey Heim, the, 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 the dude has had an unbelievable season battling with Ty Gibbs in the Arkham Menard series. Um, every time he jumps in a late model, he does well. So I have to decide between Corey Heim and Steven Nassie. That's that's where my decision okay. lies, and I am solidly torn because, <laughs> because both of these gentlemen are friends of our program as well. Sure, we've had them on a couple of times, so um, I'm going to juggle it up. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to go with Corey Heim. All right, Corey Heim, there you go. That's my guess. We'll see how it all comes to flourishing. On yeah, that was a curveball. We'll see how it all works out, folks. We're going to be there. Uh, we're going to be busy. We'll, we'll try to do as much behind-the-scenes coverage as we can for All-American 400 Weekend here on the Horsepower Happenings page, so look for that. Um, do you agree with our picks? Do you agree that uh, Tanner Jack is going to be the JEG CRA All-Stars Tour Rookie of the Year and champion? Do you believe uh, – did I pick a race winner for the JEGS 100? I didn't. I don't think either of us did, which is fine. We don't have to because we put it all on the line for the Winchester 400. Do you believe Kyle Crump wins the race and the championship, or does Hunter Jack win the championship while Corey Heim wins the race, or are Rich and I both, both up a creek? And you think that another scenario is going to let, let us know. Let us know what you think. Join us on the Facebook page and join the conversation. Hey, uh, that's going to do it, Rich. Uh, let's talk about some other things coming up quickly. Kokomo Clash uh, is this weekend as well for the Dirt fans. Friday, non-wing sprint cars, USAC midgets, thunder cars, grandstands at four, qualifying at six. Saturday, late models, modified sportsman, street stocks, and hornets, grandstands at three, qualifying at four, racing to follow. Kokomo Speedway's Kokomo Clash. 15 years they've been doing that. What an awesome event it is. If you've never gone, you should go. Presented by All-Star Performance. It's going to wrap it up. Big week. Winchester 400, Rich France. I'm looking forward to it. Friday, the Jags 100 kicks off the weekend, and it's going to be a darn good race. This is the beginning of, our. I think, Zach, our, three of our favorite races of the year, right? So we're we're going to kick Winchester 400. Then in a couple weeks, we're going to do this all again. We're going to preview the All-American 400, everything going down at the Nashville Fairgrounds Speedway. Then we get a little bit of a break to breathe a little bit before the first week of December and the Snowball Derby. Eat some turkey, have some pumpkin pie, and then go to uh, Pensacola. Yeah, sounds like a yeah. plan to me. Hey, that's going to do it. Busy show. Our appreciation to Justin. Thanks so much for Cody for making time for us. And uh, thank you for tuning in to tonight's episode of Horsepower Happenings. We'll talk to you again same time, same place next Monday. Be sure to smash the follow button on Spotify. 
on uh, iTunes, Google Music, Stitcher, and be sure to bookmark horsepowerhappenings.com slash podcast and never miss an episode of Horsepower Happenings. For Scott Menlin, who pays the bills, Rich France, my co-host, I'm Zach Heiser. We'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to Horsepower Happenings. Catch up on past episodes by logging on to horsepowerhappenings.com and be sure to tune in next week to keep up on what's happening.